It's March, it's spring training, and it's time for Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Jeremy Booth is with me, and Jeremy, back in Houston, I see. Yeah, man, back in Houston, and could not be happier about it to get home. Uh, Bernie's happy, I'm happy, enjoying the last 24 hours, uh, excited to get back. This time of year, what does that um, mean for your schedule in terms of player evaluations and getting ready for your uh, events and things like that? What does it typically mean for your life? Um, March is usually when we turn attention international. So our guys in the national side, they'll, they'll start going to Dominican and Colombia. We have somebody in Panama right now um, and start building that side towards the World Combine. Um, because of COVID, we have some events in around the country that are later than usual for the high school side on the US side. So, um, you know, we still have several of those to get through four or five over the next two months. Um, you know, next month in April, we'll have some staff meetings, you know, here in Houston, of course, not anywhere else like Boston, we'll do it in Houston, you know, and we will then go from there uh, into the summer and the summer this year is pretty full. So there's a lot to prepare for. On the major league baseball front, the Astros getting some potentially bad news and it appears it is bad news. Framber Valdez fractured left ring finger, which is on his pitching hand. To me, Framber Valdez was actually one of the most important players that the Astros have this season because I don't think they really have a true ace at this point. And, and he was a guy I was thinking he could potentially move in to that number one starter role. Yeah, you know, he, he was very impressive last year right, in 2020, um, looking towards 2021, especially with Verlander, not healthy, um, and, and some of the holes they've had through departure, he was a big piece. He is a big piece of this, this uh, rotation. Um, you know, pretty good breaking ball. Let's just get it out there. Pretty good breaking ball in, in, in an age of um, four-seam pitches. A curveball is a four-seam pitch uh, and, and, and swings that are more lift-oriented. Um, the ability to pitch, to throw that breaking ball in and out of the strike zone is an equalizer. And with the Astros now not having him, that creates a bigger hole, not just because of the ability to get through the, the lineup a couple of times, but the consistency and the weapon to protect his fastball. So it's a, you know, his, his ability to, to fill that role was, was a big deal for them as they go forward. I know you're not a doctor, but what kind of stress does pitching put on a ring finger with the repertoire that he has? So, you know, got a baseball here, happen to have one. So you have this baseball and I'm right-handed, so I'll do it that way. And you kind of hold it like that. And if you see the ring finger over here, it's on the side of the ball, right? So he, every pitch he throws, he's going to have this kind of a guide hand. It's not pressed against it, but it is touching. It's a kind of a guide hand to keep the ball true out of his fingers. Now, for somebody that throws a curveball, right, and you spin, see that right there? That's a lot of, that's going to be a lot of pressure. Even if you pull that way, you pull down, it's going to have a lot of extra rotation and, and vibration on that finger. So he's not going to have any feel to kind of guide the baseball out of his hand. Um, that's going to be a problem. And that's why they're saying that he's not going to be able to pitch. It's a longevity. It's got to heal. And, and these fingers are so small. The bones are so small. It's not an easy thing to heal. You have to watch it, uh, watch how it goes. You have to monitor it. It can heal funny. So um, it, it's, 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 it's really for him, it's really important because of the fastball curveball combo. This is a big deal when you're dealing with those little little bones in your finger. Would you be surprised if it takes months upon months and he's not back until, say, the end of the season or misses the entire season? Well, it, it, the first answer is yes, because it's a finger, 
right? You think that's going to get back. The second answer is, um, you know, as you say that, the second answer is no. And here's why. You have a, a, a 2020 season nobody's ever experienced. That's just never happened. So how they prepared for that season was also a first. How they come off that season into this year is also a first, right? Um, how they stretch themselves out, the type of innings he would have been able to give them anyway. Uh, and, and then, of course, the nature of how it's going to heal, right? You're talking about a fast spinning uh, four-seam and curveball. You're talking about uh, a four-seam fastball and curveball. You're talking about, you know, the, the necessity of that finger specifically for his what he does. And if it doesn't heal right, it could take a while. He also has to work himself back into it. Uh, into, into, into pitching shape again. And the earliest I could see him coming back, if he's out four to six weeks to heal and then four to six weeks to ramp up because he's got no spring training now, right? It's three months from now. So you're looking at the all-star break at the soonest. If it goes beyond that, well, we might miss all of 21, but I would say the all-star break at the soonest is about right. And that's bad news for the Astros because they're kind of thin, I think, in the starting rotation. Yes, they have a lot of arms that they can run out there. But at the same point, you don't have, you have McCullers who, of course, health is always a concern with him. You have a Zach Greinke who is no longer the Zach Greinke he once was. And after that, you have a bunch of question marks, I think. Yeah, you got a bunch of kids. I mean, the kids stepped up last year and we talked about how integral they're going to be to this team's success, but they're still new. They're still new. This is really going to be their second time through the league is what that's going to be. And we all know the adjustments that come, whether whether you're on the mound, whether you're at the plate, the second time through the league. Um, for me, what the Astros need to do is pick up the phone and call Jake Odorizzi. And he's a he's a guy that comes into the back of the rotation. You know, he's, he's traditionally now, last couple of years, been a five-inning guy. But it's enough of a veteran presence who's kind of been there, done that, that he can do what Jeff Supan did for those Brewers teams back, you know, in in, uh, in the mid to late mid to late two thousands. He can do what guys like do to, to stabilize a rotation, even if he slots in as your four or five. And you never know. Maybe he's had some time to recover last year off that same 60-game stint that everybody had. Maybe his offseason went well. You know, it's, he's the type of guy I'm calling right now and getting in here in the uniform as fast as possible. And another thing when it comes to these young kids, and Martin Maldonado mentioned it to me during last year's playoffs, the fact that there were no fans in the stands was a huge benefit to those young pitchers. Yes, I know it was a huge benefit to the Astros as a whole, sure. but when you don't have to deal with that extra element, that was huge for those guys because it's enough to be in those pressure pack situations. But when you've got tens of thousands of people screaming at you, that was a huge huge deal for these young Astros pitchers last year that they didn't have to deal with. And part of this whole process, I think, is they're going to now, if things kind of get back to normal, they're going to be going into that lion's den in places, New York, Boston, some of these other places where, you know, that becomes a major, major factor. Yeah. Especially because last year was the year that the fans would have been, uh, well, let's just face it especially harsh, right? Because of this coming off the science and uh, stealing scandal. They, they got a chance, they had to do that remotely. It's pretty safe. They're not going to do that remotely this year, even if it's in smaller numbers. So um, there's a lot these guys haven't seen yet. So, you know, not just the fans in the stands. And, you know, I'm kind of reminded of um, uh, For Love of the Game, you know, with Billy Chapel. I can always tell him in New York, clear the mechanism, right? And everything goes silent. If you have to learn how to do that, that's not always the easiest thing in the world. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys respond the first part of the year. That's for sure. 
And now there's a new report out that 2021 will not, will not feature the universal DH, nor will it feature expanded playoffs. These are two topics that likely will become a big part of the next CBA. From a player's perspective, I think universal DH is very important because it's 15 more jobs, if you will. However, I don't think the players are willing to accept 15 more, 15 more jobs at the expense of losing all that, all those playoff dollars. So for me, I'm just, uh, that, that, that really could drag things out, I think, but we'll see. You know, the universal DH, um, you know, it's not something I ever thought about until it was brought up. You know, it's always kind of accepted the American is this way and the national is this way. Um, it just makes a lot of sense. You know, it makes a lot of sense for the action in the game. It makes a lot of sense for pitcher health. It makes a lot I of sense. I don't want to see pitchers batting. I'm tired. Yeah. Of seeing... Now, Zach Greinke, it would be, you know, Zach Greinke's thrilled now because one of his goals, I think, for his career is to get 10 home runs and 10 steals in his career or something like that. So he's thrilled that he can go into a, another a National League ballpark and, and hit. But I, I pitchers hitting, no, I'm, I'm done. Well, I mean, outside of Madison Bumgarner and and, the, and, and Zach Greinke's a different bird, right? So we'll just we'll just kind of go with that. Um, it's just better for the game to be more consistent that way. It, it just it just is, and the players want it. And again, pitcher health, which in the in an age of pitching with intent at every single pitch, um, it has to be protected. That's just a way to kind of reinforce what they're already doing. To hold the hold it hostage for expanded playoffs. Expanded playoffs don't make any sense. I mean, you know, it has to be some kind of um, some kind of, a, of of status for making the playoffs. You can't just go ahead and have twenty teams out of thirty make the playoffs. I know yeah, but it does make sense because the owners get most of that money. If not, I mean, I don't know the percentages, but they get a ton of that playoff money. Yeah, it just it, to to me, there's got to be some kind of incentive to actually get there. You know, we're talking about an age of tanking. We're talking about an age of rule changes now, trying to make the game more exciting because we've changed how we played it. This is just, to me, this is just another one of the um, unnecessary tinkerings done by the commissioner's office. And, and I'm not trying to, to indict what they've done. I know they've done some good stuff along the way, but I got to tell you, a lot of these changes, a lot of this fan disenchantment, a lot of the player player um, labor uh uh, unrest, if you will, a lot of the, the disconnect with the ownership has come under Manfred's watch. It, it's it's not a secret that we're still trying to find different ways to hold things hostage. It's good for the game to put the universal DH in, put it in, and stop talking about expanded playoffs because the owners are making enough money. That's fine. They're fine with that. They're good. But I'll say this. The Astros better be on top of their game because they snuck into those, those expanded playoffs, helped them last year. They're not going to get that benefit this year. Yeah, last year, Jay, makes sense. I mean, 60 games, you don't know what you got. I mean, you got to open it up a little bit. I mean, that's that's not a problem. But this year, we're back to a regular season. You know, we've already moved the start of the AAA season back a month, right? So now you've got um, the alternate sites coming back into play. You know, that's that's related to COVID, for sure. It's related to, to, to social distancing to some degree in spring training. It's related to, um, you know, player health. And, and, and again, because nobody knows what's happening, off the off last year's training we don't know we have to kind of see what's going to happen so that that makes sense um but with that the expanded playoffs just it needs to go away let's take the training wheels off and let's go back and play baseball and let's let's kind of get back to a game that that looks like um well doesn't reward people for tanking right and getting in at, at 78 wins Let, let's let's make this a bit more competitive one thing that had astros twitter ablaze 
was the talk that the Astros have moved one of their prized prospects. I guess you could argue he probably, arguably, could be their top prospect. Pedro Leon, the outfielder from Cuba, whom they've signed for between three and four million dollars, that they're also trying him at shortstop. Um, that got all that got Twitter excited because I think some people thought, well, there goes Carlos Correa. That means he's gone too. Um, it, it it certainly doesn't. But the one thing that I I kind of struggle with this. When I see guys being tried at other positions, and I yes, I know versatility is really important, but sometimes like my first inclination is maybe this guy isn't as good as they thought he was, and that's why they're trying him somewhere else to maximize their return. Am I wrong in saying that? From a club standpoint, that's a lot of money to pay. In the international market, that's most of your budget, right? So if you're going to pay that much money and most of your budget, you're doing a position change, it means you missed on your evaluation. That's what it means. 100% how you evaluated that player was wrong. Now, it doesn't mean that the player isn't good. It just means that what you thought he was, he's not. He's not what you thought he was, right? Um, it has nothing to do with Correa. Uh, I mean, the Astros have four different guys that can play short. If for Astros fans out there, if Carlos Correa departs, and goes somewhere else, which he's made it pretty clear this is where he wants to stay in Houston, as has Lance McCullers, as has Jose Altuve, which is why he signed it, as did Alex Bregman, right? If Correa State is gone, your shortstop is Alex Bregman. So it's it's not it's not like it's something where you have to worry about Carlos Correa leaving. I, I don't see that happening. I think the general manager, uh, James Click, and I think uh, um uh, I think Jim Crane, you know, will do everything they can to keep him here. I think that's a Carlos Correa decision. And if he wants to stay here, he's going to. Your proof in that is that last year when players had to step up and speak and kind of be the, the leader of the franchise, it was Carlos Correa that did it, even ahead of Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. So they're, they're kind of building this kind of confidence around Carlos where they're planning for him to be the face of the franchise as they go forward, along with Bregman, along with Altuve. So I, I wouldn't necessarily worry about that. But I think from a scouting standpoint, it's another miss by the Astros department. Not that he's not a good player, not that he doesn't have impact, but that's an unnecessary move. So they just kind of missed on their eval about him being an outfielder. Am I being too harsh? But it seems, it seems again, that because it's happening so soon, that's what kind of strikes me, strikes this as odd, really odd to me, especially when, you know, outfield is a position, and I know you don't draft in baseball, you don't draft for need, you, you just stockpile as much talent. But outfield is a position that really this team needs some depth and needs needs guys who who can be impact players and to to try them out at shortstop. It just I, I it just doesn't make much sense to me. Well, we have you know this is the first full year, and I know we say last year James Click was here for the full year, but he wasn't. He had his hands tied on staff, he, and and he won't say it. And he's not supposed to say it, and good for him because he's been nothing but professional since he's been here. And I, nothing, nothing less than expected coming from Tampa Bay and, and, and the influences of, of Bobby Heck and Eric Neander and, and, and the way they run things over there. Um, but this is his first year of, of being able to see what he can do, right? You had, you had COVID, you had a shortened season, you had a, a new manager who's done a great job himself. You had a, a veteran core that had been around that kind of had just had to be navigated through what they had come off from, from that, that off season. Um, during that time, though, it gave James Click and his staff, the few guys he was able to get in, um, the ability to kind of assess what they had. 
And so now I think you're seeing changes in the front office, right? We've seen some of that. Um, we've seen Kevin Goldstein depart, you know, and, and, and take up a new, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a job, but take up a new position on Twitter, absolving himself of any wrongdoing. Anyway, but you've got, you've got that with Kevin Goldstein. You've got a, a different face now. Click is doing, James is doing different things. So um, it makes sense that they will be assessing the system, moving guys around. The one thing that I would say about the farm system, besides the fact that Luno and Elias and company did a terrible job in the draft. That it's is barren? That it's is, empty? Yeah, yeah is, is that um, they also signed a lot of guys that were, were replaceable. That's what they did. These guys that are replaceable. It's kind of the same thing again and again and again, based on the analytic model instead of the scouting model. So I don't know how much that extended to Pedro Leon. I know that what happens now is that Click is going to be much more scout-oriented, and they're going to get back into really centering the player in a future role. So that's going to happen, and that's probably what happened in this process. So should I bother bringing up Corey Lee, the first-round catcher from Cal, who many consider to be the reach, the ultimate reach, has also been trying to play different positions, first base, third base, left field, according to reports out of, out of, uh, out of the ballpark of the Palm Beaches, I know someone who we both scratched our head when that pick was made, but to me that again, I just, the guy that popped in my head was what Taylor Ward, the catcher from, uh, went to the angels. They went to Fresno state and the angels took him in the first round. I'll never forget that one because I was like, everybody was like that. Yeah. I mean, but I, in our room, we had a guy who really, really liked him. Um, and, and he was making the pick. Didn't like him at that position. <laughs> no, or no, didn't like, like him at that draft position, right? No, no, he liked, he liked him. And I did it. And I was like, what? You know, I mean, that was me. I was like, what are we doing? Um, you know, and the Angels took him and he's a big leaguer, but he's had to move around and play different places. And I think he's actually swung the bat better than I thought he was. He's a third baseman now. He's not a catcher. Yeah, he couldn't catch. So, you know, Corey Lee, you know, if you have the clip, it'd be great to go back and take a look at that if you have the clip at some point. I'm sure he, about how we reacted when he was selected. I'm laughing because I remember saying at the time, what are we doing? Like, what, what are we doing? It's not surprising that you take your first rounder and, and, and it was Mike Elias, right? And it was, it was gross. It was, it was Chris Gross, right? Who said all these glowing things about him behind the plate. And we talked about upside down profile. We talked about it was power, no hit. We talked about it was uh, throw, no catch. We talked about that. It makes sense to move him to a corner if you can't catch. Right. You've got other, other guys who can receive in the system like Scott Manea, by the way, whose defense is met, defense metrics are, um, and, and just raw ability with with his skill advancement is, is ahead of where they've allowed him to play. Um, it, you know, he's a big league camp. He's a guy that's going to hold his own. He's, he's like a, um, a Carlos Ruiz type of player. Right. He's going to be in that mold. So if you got a Corey Lee, he can't catch with those guys. You just you got to figure out where to play him because you wasted your money. That's also why he was paid so much less. Than the other guys in the first round because not only did the Astros have no idea and let me say this for those in the back that can't hear it no idea what they are doing in the draft under the last regime zero okay now you've got you have to move your first rounder two years in to a different position that's a whoops if you keep not moving just up, not just one position two or three 
That's a big whoops. That's a whoops we missed, right? And we got that with now Leon, and we got that with with Corey Lee. And I and I, and I know I, got, I don't know about Leon yet. I'm not willing to go that far. I'm just saying that idea popped in my head. Position change. We're talking about and we, the funny thing is, if I can, if you allow me five seconds, we're talking about the, uh, the this. We've been talking about the greatness of the Astros scouting department, and player development department. I'm sorry, two of the highest paid guys you've had in the last three years just got moved. Help me with that. How well, the international we, department has been excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, but still, in that process, we've whiffed. We've moved the guy we paid almost $4 million to to a different position this quick. So we have some things that we have to kind of recenter. And there's nothing wrong with what the international department has done. Matter of fact, the guy that was at Oz Campo, right, who was, who was leading it, he went to a different club. This isn't about Oz. This is about the guys who are making those decisions. Um, and and we, we got to get back to understanding that there's more to the game than just what how what his exit velocity is and his spin rate is. And that I think is what this regime is going to do, which is why these guys are moving. I can give you an update on Taylor Ward at the age of 26 last year, 34 games, uh, OPS of 716, no homers, 277 batting average and strikes out nearly once every game. That's a miss. And, And look, look, let me be clear to those of you listening at home, watching at home, because I got to say this, our job on this side is, is to put the lens on of what kind of big league or what kind of professional they're going to be. They're not bad players. They're really talented guys to even get this far. They're, they're one of the 1% of the 1% to play in the big leagues. Taylor Ward was drafted late in the first round um, and, and went out into a very, very bad system at the time and go, got through it and got to the big leagues. That's, that's good for him, and he's, he's a good player for doing that. Now, when you get to the big leagues, though, it's a different lens. It's a different figuring out of what he is, and he's just not a very good big leaguer. He is a big leaguer and should be respected as such, but he's just not a very good one. And so when you're talking about winning championships, you draft these players like a Taylor Ward or a Corey Lee. My question to you is, did you win a championship with those guys? Because if you didn't, you can take them in the eighth round, 10th round, 12th round, and they can still be the piece, the complementary piece that they might help you be, you know, in the future. They're not the aircraft carrier you take in the first round. And that is where, you know, if there's any place the Astros whiffed, um, you know, any of the first round picks under Mike Elias, I'm waiting to show up and be anything, any of them. And that includes Chris Gross too. Seth Beer, where's he? He's no longer an Astro, right? Uh, Corbin Martin was a second rounder. He looked like he had a chance to be pretty good. Okay. Apparently the reports out of Arizona hitting 97. This, yeah. He's, he's going to be the best of the bunch. Good arm, right? I mean, um, uh, we took uh, – Maybe Bacoskis. Oops. Okay. I mean, just let's just keep running down the list. I mean, there's nothing these guys have done in the draft um, to get credit for what they did. They just took credit for everybody else's stuff. Okay. So They'll now take credit just, for Bregman, though. They can take credit for Bregman, which they fell into because of the whiff on Brady Aiken. Let's not forget. I know. I listen. It's the only. It's it's one of the few teams I've ever seen whiff on two number one overall draft picks. Oops. Right. Mark Appel making sandwiches. It's a good sandwich, by the way. But that's what he's doing. So you you know we're we're get we got to get back to this. Isn't about that. It's in the past. But we're still dealing with what they left. And I could I could have sworn while you and I were getting some hate mail. What was that? Oh, was it? Somebody was bitter, was bitter. No, it wasn't bitter. It was basically that it's called being right. It's not being bitter. It's called being right. They didn't do anything in the draft. It's not very good. This is your product. This is your product. James Click has to do what he can to win with the club he's got, add some free agents, and find a way to rebuild the system, which is why you're going to see a revolving door in that scouting department right now as these guys go come out and the other guys come in because you got to get better. 
Can't do this a second time in a row. Not and good. on that note, that's it. And on that note, it's another edition of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Three topics, Jeremy. That's all we had. And I don't know how long we went, but we went a long time. See you next time, Jer. Got it.